Welcome to the Beauty Aside podcast. I'm Gentry Quinn. I dropped out of school at the age of 17, got my GED, and still managed to build multiple businesses and a beauty line from the ground up. Beauty Aside, each week we'll be talking with entrepreneurs and learning what it takes to achieve balance and what it really means to follow your dreams. Welcome to the Beauty Aside podcast. I'm Gentry Quinn, and today I am sitting down with one of my favorite independent filmmakers, Kat Candler. She has credits as a director, writer, producer, and film editor. Most recently, she was a producing director of the hit Hulu series, Queen Sugar. I had the privilege to work with Kat on her second feature film that she made called Jumping Off Bridges, which was filmed right here in Austin, Texas. So I know that she's not only a magical storyteller, she is a wonderful human being. And that is why I'm so grateful that she's decided to join me here today and let us all learn from her. Welcome, Kat. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And to be hanging out with you again after all these years as well. You're so sweet. I just, I love hearing your voice. It's so relaxing. I'm sitting in my spa room listening to you. I'm like, I need to do some jumping jacks or something. So I'm like... I, can't I love be, it. Can't be that relaxed on this interview. Well, um, I've got my I've got my slippers on. If that helps, you've got your slippers on. You've got your cat in the background. I've got a yeah. There's a pug sleeping across from me on the floor. I think we're ready. <laughs> Let's we're go. ready. Let's go. So, just before uh, we we really get in deep, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got started? Sure. Yeah. I. So I was sort of a theater nerd in high school. I loved, breathed, um, drank theater in every facet and thought I was going to be on Broadway. And um, I got to, I I, I spent my first semester studying acting and quickly was like, I don't think I can do this. Um, It is such a, I have mad respect for actors because you go to such um, emotional cavernous places that I was like, I can't do this. I was also like 17 and super far away from home and homesick. Um, and so I ended up at Florida state where I was studying writing, uh, creative writing. And I worked in a movie theater from age 15 all through high school and then all through college. And I loved movies so much, but I had no idea how they were made. I just you know, they just magically appeared at a theater near me every Friday. And, um, and so while I was at Florida State, I was working with all of these film kids, and they roped me into working on their sets. And I remember sitting there, I was working on a thesis film um, for this woman, Emily, and I just remember sitting there as a script supervisor. I had no idea what that meant. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I grabbed a book. I was like, okay, I'll figure this out. Um, and I just remember sitting there and, and watching the collaboration and um, everybody working together, the director, the cinematographer, the actors, the gaffer. And it was just such a beautiful kind of dance and celebration um, on set and then getting to see what we had all you know, handcrafted on a screen with an audience to react to and to connect to, I just fell in love. And so I knew at that point I didn't want to move to Los Angeles because it was super scary to me at the time. And then New York uh, is too cold. And I'm a, you know, I grew up in Florida, so I'm a Southern girl. And I moved to Austin in the late 90s and basically just started making stuff. I took a couple of classes 
and you know, grabbed my friends and a camera and just started making short films or writing. And um, I made a feature film in summer of 99 for like $5,000, which is a group of friends and just real ragtag. And then the Jumping Off Bridges, which is where we met um, summer of 2005, again, feel, you know, it felt, it was a little bit more money, but it was still very ragtag um, indie. Uh, and then I started teaching at the University of Texas in film, which was really um, quite the uh, emotion. That was like really where I, I feel like I found my voice and found my art because I had to become a student again in order to teach. And that's when I, I started making some short films that ended up getting into Sundance. And then I made a feature film called Hellion that got into Sundance in 2014 and really opened the door for me. I started coming out to LA more frequently, um, going up for jobs, uh, feature films. And then I got, I started to work in television about three years ago. Um, Ava DuVernay, who hopefully many of you guys know, she just had a mini series called When They See Us, which is on Netflix, which is just, just phenomenal. We actually met in 2012. We both had films at Sundance that year and just kept in touch through the film circles, through the, all the indie circles. And she ended up giving me my first television directing job. And it's really hard to get into television. It's one of those... It's one of one of those um, industries and directing on TV is just there's like this this gigantic gate and wall that no one will let you through. And she just basically like kicked it down. I was like, come on, come over and hang out on my playground. Um, so that launched me into television. And then since I've um, like you said, I was a producing director on Queen Sugar as well. And then last year I was a showrunner on Queen Sugar season three and now I'm working on a feature for Fox Searchlight and developing television and um, yeah, but always, but with that said, like always chasing the magic of those indie days on those first features, which, you know, you're again, those ragtag moments with your friends and just making art. It's despite, um, despite these bigger sets, you're always just chasing that, that that beautiful magic that you had those summers wow yeah okay so um you touched on a lot of things that we're going to I want you to elaborate a little bit more for okay. me as we move forward but um there seems to be a lot of misconceptions about filmmakers uh, you know people read the magazines and there's a lot of glamorizing in the field uh, can you tell us what's the reality of a day on a, on a set really like? Mm, yeah. Just thrust us into reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of depends if it's an independent film or like a television set. Um, there's certainly the same mechanics at work, but there's sometimes, oftentimes a different sort of feel for it. Uh, so on a, on a bigger set, you're waking up usually around four or five, your call time is probably six or seven, depending on how, how much that cinematographer wants that early morning light, if you're shooting exteriors. But you've probably, like me, I usually am up pretty late the night before because I'm 
studying my shot lists as a director. I'm studying um, the script so I can work with actors. So I have all of my tools that I've been working on relentlessly um, in my, my tool belt for the next morning. So I usually arrive on set. I usually arrive an hour early before my call time. So the call time is when everybody, the crew, the cast, everybody lands and you're rehearsing your first scene. So I'm usually there an hour early sitting on set, going through all of my materials and my prep materials. Um, your, your act, my actors land at call time. We re rehearse the first scene in television. It's very, very, very fast. So hopefully you rehearse that scene within like the first 10 or 15 minutes. And then those actors are back in wardrobe and, and hair and makeup. Um, and then about an hour after call time, you start shooting. So it's really fast. You have to rehearse, you have to light, um, you have to get everybody like get their coffee in their system. So they're up and running. And then you're, you're hoping that you have the creative space and time, which I think we have more of in the independent world than we do in, in television and studio films. Um, to play and that's you know I, I, like I was saying like those there's such magic and in independent independent filmmaking because you have a little bit more time to play um, and so during the day you're, you're trying to balance that that idea of playing with the fact that you have to make your day and you have to get all of your scenes um, before you wrap and you're gonna wrap about 13 hours after your call time because you have a lunch in there um, so for me it's a lot of it becomes, it becomes almost a little bit like math in that you're trying to figure out, you've done, hopefully you've done a ton of prep ahead of time. So you've got tons of shot lists and ideas and images and overheads. Um, you've made tons of notes in your script. But then once you get onto set, you're, you're constantly like dodging, um, you're dodging the balls that are coming at you of this person isn't ready yet, they're still in wardrobe, or your crane isn't working, or any, you know, you're just trying to, you're always a problem solver, balancing with the creative and trying to get something really special and magical onto the screen. But it can be, it can be, it's just, again, it's really fast paced and you have to have you have to be amenable and you have to be um, just, just mold to, you know, you're trying really hard to hold fast to the vision, to the style, to your intentions. Um, I'll, all the while working with up to a hundred people on set. And as a director, you're mostly answering questions all day long and you have to be able to confidently and very quickly answer those questions, whether it's what, if the dress that they're wearing is right, if this blocking is right, if the light is right, it's just um, constantly, constantly answering questions. <laughs> it's quite a bit of it. So you mentioned a hundred people on set, which is you know quite different from working on a feature film. And I, I pulled this from um, an interview that you did and you said you're making essentially half of a feature film in seven days. You mm. said my last feature film was shot in 26 days. And so how, just how the hell do you do it? I mean, besides having a hundred, is that the, is that the secret that you do have a hundred people so you can work at the speed of lightning? Like what, what's the secret? Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I directed the last two season finales of Queen Sugar and Queen Sugar is a show that 
every episode is a seven day shoot. You have seven days of prep. So literally the, the day you land for your first day of prep, you're getting whisked into a van and you're heading off to go do all the location scoutings and hopefully you lock your locations really quickly. Um, so within those seven days, you're getting costumes ready, your locations, hopefully you get to have conversations with your actors, you're working with your director of photography, um, you're figuring out the special effects, the explosions, the chart car chases, all of these things, not so much in Queen Sugar, we're more, we're more a lot of people just sitting and talking and having really beautiful, intimate conversations. But, um, but yeah, so we shot these two season finales and I think season two, I ended up with like a 90 minute cut from seven days, uh, which again, it's just, it's really, really fast paced. Um, and the more you work in television, the, the quicker those mechanics are working in your head. Um, but you know, some people, there are some people that television, they can thrive really well because they do have that fast paced sensibility, but there are some people who it's just not their thing that they, 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 can't move as fast, um, which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, it is a lot more people, uh, things it's more people, but it's people who have been working with these tools, um, and have maybe a little bit more speed from experience. Um, so that, you know, that certainly helps when you're setting up a shot and it only takes five minutes to light it versus 30 minutes to light it. And you're shooting after that five minutes. Uh, so I think, you know, it's just, it's surrounding yourself with people who you trust. Sounds yeah, like. <laughs> and they know their craft really well. And every single one of those people are craftspeople. They, whether it's um, operating a crane and getting that really beautiful movement in a crane um, whether it's makeup and really telling a story with the look and the style of someone, um, whether it's a dolly grip who can really tell a story with motion and movement, they're all artisans, um, which I think is another reason I just love what we do is because like you said, we're surrounded by artists who just love their craft and, and, um, yeah, and just at the top of the ge- of their game as well. Wow. Okay. And so while we're on the topic of Queen Sugar, which for those who uh, may not be aware, is an American drama television series created and executive produced by Ava DuVernay. I hope I said her name right. Mm-hmm. With uh, Oprah Winfrey serving as an executive producer. Uh, first of all, Ava, I'm like, I from the, <laughs> the first time I saw her, I mean, saw her talk, uh, on TV, I was obsessed. I was like, this person is, I mean, I don't know her personally, obviously, but when she talks, I'm just in awe. I'm like, I, that's like, you're my, you're, you're one of my idols. So, um, so on that note, you know, you started off as a director on Queen Sugar in 2016, then you moved to producing director, then showrunner, now executive producer. Uh, it's quite an accomplishment. Uh, to me, it's more representative of how you work and what your work means to others, being able to expand within a series like this, you know, the fact that they trust you. How, how do you get 
uh, you know, you actually, you mentioned how you got involved working on Queen Sugar. You said that you met uh, Ava or connected with her at South by Southwest. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, we, so we actually met at Sundance um, and we actually, honestly, we met at a tea shop uh, in 2011. (laughs) Nice. Through a mutual friend. Like I was meeting with a friend that she had just met with and we were sort of crossing paths and I was sitting down in the seat that she was getting up with to hang out with this, um, this friend of ours. And it was just a real quick, Oh, I'm Ava. Oh, I'm a cat. And then like flash forward, like a few months later and we're both, uh, at this orientation for directors at Sundance. And I was like, ah, oh, she was like the one person I recognized in the room of all of these directors. And so from there, we just sort of spun around each other. We were just sort of orbited each other at the festival circuit. And then, um, and I would go to her premieres and she would come to my premieres, whether it was Sundance or South by. And then 2015, she was giving this beautiful keynote at South by Southwest. And we went and, um, grabbed a, grabbed some fries or something afterwards. And she sat me down and she's like, I'm, I'm making this television show. Uh, would you be interested in directing it? And this was after, this was after I'd had a feature at Sundance. I'd been trying to get into directing television for months and months and months. And it was the constant, when you have an episode, come back to us. So no one would take that chance and give you that opportunity. And then in that conversation at South by Southwest, she was like, look, I'm making this show. Would you at all, you know, it was almost like shrugging. Would you be interested in directing this? And like, Oh my God, are you kidding? <laughs> like, yes, please. Wow. Um, it was her and Oprah and this really beautiful book that I fell in love with. Um, so yeah, it was just real simple of her just asking. And then the same you know, the same thing with producing, directing. I had gone through a year of, I directed two episodes the first season, um, love the show, love the story, the characters, the actors, the crew. It's just this, you know, she creates this um, family, essentially, that she's building art with. And when she asked me the next season, will you come back as a producing director? It was just like, Yes. And it felt like coming home to a family. And, you know, it certainly, I think she's just aware and she'll say this too. Like when she came off of um, middle of nowhere, she won the directing prize in 2012 at Sundance. She was having a hard time getting jobs after that, where like her counterparts the men at Sundance that year were getting movies like Jurassic World. So she was very, you know, very aware. Um, and it touched her personally to see these specifically young, or not young, but these female artists who weren't getting the same opportunities that their, their male counterparts were. So she made it a point to um, lift up the artists and the filmmakers that, she trusted that she loved that she shared the same sensibility with. Um, and then, you know, you, you prove yourself directing an episode and she's like, all right, let's go to the next step. <laughs> and then it was the same thing after producing directors. Like, would you be interested in show running? I'm like, you realize I've never been in a writer's room, but yes, I will absolutely do that. I would love to, I will figure it out, which I feel like, you know, that's the indie spirit. We, we, I, I feel like I'm constantly figuring things out, but that's the beauty of the process and that's the beauty of the journey. So there's a trust, there's a, a sensibility that we share, um, 
and just, and we, you get, you give, you're given those opportunities and you're fully aware that you are going to give those opportunities in return as much and as often as you can. Um, and I think when I was the showrunner uh, last season, it was such a gift to be able to give that opportunity to friends of mine who I had seen struggling over the years to get jobs, um, to get TV work, who I was just madly in love with the films that they were making. And like, why is no one paying attention? Because these are really freaking badass filmmakers. So be able to make those calls and say, hey, you want to come direct on the show this season? I'm crying. They're crying. Um, so honestly, like that in and of itself is one of the biggest gifts that Ava's given me is to be able to give those opportunities to others. And I mean, that's beautifully said. I feel like you're, you're definitely giving the gift right back. Um, that is one thing I know about you. You never forget where you you never, you never forget where you've come from and you never forget about the people that you, that you started with. Having said that and talking about these amazing female powerhouses, um, such as Ava, and you even mentioned Julie Dash in an interview, Sugar. how has working with these women affected you? And, you know, kind of on a personal level, like what has it meant to you to be able to work you know, really side by side, I mean, maybe sometimes not always physically, but really side by side women um, that you can uh, look up to so much and admire in the business. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about a producing director, so a producing director's job is essentially over the course of a season on a television show is to um, maintain the the continuity the consistency of the vision of the show so you've got all of so in, in television you have a director coming in for every episode so it's very possible for the show's vision and style to shift a little too much in one direction so you're trying to maintain um the the integrity of the show the style of the show but also guiding these directors and queen sugar in particular because it's a show that only hires directors who have never directed television before it also becomes a a a teaching position um and so that that year, that season of Queen Sugar for me was also being a student because here I am, I get to teach how to direct television and what the world is like, but I also get to sit back and watch all of these filmmakers who I admire and love and some I've never met, um, like the great Julie Dashes of the world, the Cheryl Daniers. It was just this masterclass of watching other directors. Because, you know, as a director, you don't get to watch other directors. You're in it alone. And um, and so this was a really wonderful experience to, uh, you know, I was taking notes every day. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to steal this from Julie. I'm going to steal this from Aurora. I'm going to steal this from Garrett Bradley. I mean, it for me it was just really uh flipping flipping the script and getting to be a student with these guys but then also it's a sisterhood um it's a sisterhood not only from from queen sugar but it's a sisterhood that continues to build and grow and um get beautifully tangled in we have 
uh, here, I, I've been living in LA for the last two years. And even before when I was in Austin, I would always have these gatherings of female filmmakers, female artists. Um, and so here in LA, we've made a few friends and I, we make a point every month or so to gather all of the female directors and now trying to fold in some of the showrunners. Um, so we're aware of each other so we can connect with each other. And then also, you know, I've seen jobs come out of it, which is beautiful to be like, Oh wait, Hey, Oh sweet. They're working on this show now together. Um, so it's just, it's have, and then it's also too, like having people to, talk to when you start a job that someone else was on a month or two ago and you can have that conversation of okay where like what what do I need to look out for who are my allies you know things like that that are actually really helpful um when you're in the trenches it off you're very oftentimes very much alone as a director and just to have someone to call who has been in that same experience on that same show or with that same cinematographer or, or AD or whatnot. Um, there's a, there's a camaraderie at these gatherings, but there's also a camaraderie um, in terms of the experiences that we've had uh, working in the industry. Wow. It sounds really invaluable. Actually. Yes. I, I would love to be a little, what, what do they say? A little like fly on the wall. Yeah. Um, I think I, you guys should, uh, should create like a, a YouTube series or something. Well, <laughs> they can't be there. So we can like, like the, the Chelsea handler, like the little round table discussion. I would love that. Right. Well, um, interesting. there's some, I mean, there's oftentimes like a, a code of silence about things because things might you know, oftentimes get really personal about some of the experiences that we have that many are great experiences, but some not so much. And to have someone who has shared that not so much, not so great experience and kind of talk through and evaluate and figure out, um, I don't know, how to move forward with it is really, like, really, really helpful. I, I understand that. I understand that. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a big deal. I mean, even in, even in, you know, we're talking about film right now, but I'm thinking about other businesses and, um, yeah. and how that applies to really everybody, like to have that type of support system where, you know, when it's great and everybody's getting along, that's, that's the, what's the problem. But it's, it's in, when you're going through those tough times, you really kind of learn who has your back and, um, I just think that's really special uh, that you guys have created uh, that safe place to to kind of like be there for each other. Um, yes. And in, in an interview uh, you did, you mentioned that you you had a lot of doors slammed in your face before getting the offer to work on Queen Sugar. And I think it's really important for people to see and for and to hear um, more about like the hard work and sometimes even the tears that go on behind the scenes. Uh, can you elaborate on sort of the struggle and how you find the strength to keep going when you do find yourself having so many doors slammed in your face? Yeah, um, I think it's such a myth that there is the overnight success, uh, probably in any industry. Um, I think when you look, you know, take a, a closer look and really investigate, you'll find that that wildly successful person has been grinding away for years. Uh, and that's, you know, certainly the case, certainly my case. Um, I, 
I ha- I've had so many rejections. And when I was teaching at UT, I was like, look, you guys, you're going to get rejected all over the place and it's never going to end no matter how successful you become. Um, it's just something, you know, it's the thick skin that you build and you just have to get used to and figure out how to quickly, um, quickly just like wallow in it and then move on. Um, cause it's, again, like I said, it's never going to end. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if it's, if whatever your passion is, whatever, um, you know, whether it's cooking or filmmaking or makeup or, uh, music or gardening, whatever it is, if you love, if you are so passionate and love it so deeply and so, so broadly, then you're not going to stop. And I think that's, what I've learned about myself is that a, I'm not really good at much else. I'm a really good teacher. I'm a really, really, really good teacher. I loved that. But, um, when it comes to a craft, I'm a really great writer. I'm, I'm a good writer. I'm a good writer. I'm, but I'm a really great director. I like, I really am proud of the work that I've done. And it's something that I just can't not do. You know, I can't not, um, I can't not get on a set and just make something, whether it's with two people or if it was with a hundred people. And I remember, you know, a couple of kind of touchstone points in my life when I was trying to get Helly and the feature together, we were raising half a million dollars, which, you know, when it comes to filmmaking is nothing. When it comes to independent film, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, we had all of the pieces together. We had a really great package. We had, I had two Sundance short films under my belt. We had a Sundance lab under our belt. We had Aaron Paul attached. We had Juliet Lewis attached. We had um, it just sort of all of the legitimizing things you can have to package an independent film. And we still couldn't get the money. And we came out to LA, we took all of the meetings. Everybody loves the script. Everybody loves the package, but no one was willing to, to sign that first check. You know, we did the whole thing and and this is every single film we did on the first film. We did it on jumping off bridges. Um, and then I remember we were about a week or two away from, you know, packing up and moving down to Southeast Texas where we were shooting the movie. And it was that moment of, we don't have even close to all of the money. I think we had like $50,000 at that point. And, the producers and I sat down and it's like, if we don't have the cash in the bank in the next like day or two, we have to pull the plug and pulling the plug on a film means maybe it'll go next year, but the likelihood is probably not. So all of this work that you've spent over the last year or two, you know, the blood, sweat and tears to put this thing together is possibly going away. Um, and all of that hard work for nothing. So I remember that conversation. And then I remember being like, I went and had breakfast with a friend, David Zellner, who's a filmmaker in Austin of really him and his brother, Nathan are so, so talented. And we went into breakfast and I remember David just giving me this really, I don't even know that he knew he was giving me this pep talk, but it was just like, you got to do whatever you got to do to make this happen. Come hell or high water. And I remember leaving that conversation all amped up and like, this is going to happen. And I remember getting on the phone. I remember emailing everybody I knew who had money or like any kind of closeness to money, uh, which is the worst part. I hate raising money for anything because you just, you feel awful. But 
you know what, this is what we do and we have to do it. And literally like probably I think 48 hours later from that conversation with David, we had a promise for all of the money. And that's just what we do, you know, as hard as, as it is when our, when our back is against the wall, we're like, screw it. We're, I'm going to make this happen, whatever I got to do. And there have definitely been a couple of moments like that in my life where it's like, this is, this is my everything. This is my, my dreams, my hopes. Um, and I'm going to put everything on the line for it. I made $13,000 a year until I started directing television a few years ago. I made nothing. Like, luckily my husband had a job and luckily he had health insurance because <laughs> otherwise I was like poverty level wages teaching. So it's, you know, you, you do what you got to do for the love of what um, is in your heart. And that's it. Um, that's, yeah. that's an amazing story. And I'm so, I, you know, I, I realized that, that you, you, people would rather not have those types of hardships, but I think that they're so valuable and they're so valuable for other aspiring, you know, artists to, to hear, um, whether, yeah. whether it be for the sake of it, you know, that it's motivational or just, uh, just, you know, the, the hope, you know, that, you know, you don't give up, but if you're a writer, you write, it's not, you know, right. if you're, it, if you're an artist, you make art, you know, it, like you said, it doesn't matter if it's with two people or a hundred people. Um, and when you get the opportunity to, you know, make a feature film with Aaron Paul, you make the feature film, you right. figure out a way to make the feet, right. You figure yeah. out a way to make yeah. it. <laughs> I know I had this, um, this UT student, uh, she's since graduated and she's out in the world in Austin and she's putting together this feature film that they're shooting this summer. And I've, been on the phone with her and Skyped with her and sat in person in Austin a few times now over the last month or two. And she got to that point of like, they don't have, they have, they have a good chunk of their money, but they don't have all of it. And it, there was this moment of a very crushing blow for her. And I'm like, look, this is what you have. Go make it. You know, you've got all of these amazing friends and collaborators right here, ready to go. And um, there's no reason you guys shouldn't be moving forward and making this happen. And um, I think they, they probably, I don't know if they've started production, but they're starting really soon. I, 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 I need a, a cat candler uh, in my life every week. And are you available for FaceTime calls? Like every, every well, day or two. Like Sundance has been such a gift and um and such a presence in my life ever since 2011 when we got in with this little short film and they it was 2015 I was in like a, a female fellow program that they were doing there were I think five or six of us and they kind of shepherded us through this year after we'd had a feature film at Sundance or South by or wherever and the one thing that they gave us which we were all like why this, uh, I don't know how this is going to work. They gave us all a free life coach for a whole year, which was so transformative and such, um, it was such, it was everything, whether it was personal or career, this woman who isn't even a part of the industry that I spoke with every two weeks for this entire year, um, 
it was confidence, it was organization, it was career driving. She just gave me all of these tools and resources that I'm literally like, I used one of them today with my, my agents and my manager. Um, and this is four years later now, but that life coach, man, I wish I, I, I try and like be my own life coach. (laughs) So I'm like, you can do this. You've got this. Remember why you're in this. Um, but that was huge. That was huge. Yeah. You don't have a life coach. You put you on some Tony Robbins, <laughs> Rachel Hollis, whatever you got to do. Whatever. Like, yeah. you a life coach. Yeah. No excuses. No excuses. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I have about four pages of notes, which I mentioned before we started uh, talking today that I wanted to go over with you. And I swear I've only scratched the surface. Maybe <laughs> I have like two pages, but you are a really busy lady and I, and it's not fair for me to keep you much longer. So, um, just coming to the end of our segment together and maybe, um, maybe you'll be so kind in the future, um, to do a part two with of me course. and I can go over all this other stuff, but, uh, just kind of, uh, wrapping things up, running down to the last minutes. Uh, there was something that you said that really, uh, resonated with me. And so I, I pulled the quote and you said that the most important thing devoted filmmakers have that sets them apart are each other. Um, I personally got you, you girl, you said that. <laughs> I go, go, go. I mean, I did, I did my homework and I just, I got, I got chills wow. and I, I, I thought, you know, I couldn't agree more. I feel so lucky to know you. You're such a positive role model, um, and filmmaker. And there's just so much that we can learn and continue to learn from you. So I just want to sincerely thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh, talk with me today. And, uh, and like I said, to our listeners, stay tuned for a part two. I'm going to try to make that happen. Let's, I would love that. Yeah. Cause you've got so much to offer. Um, and just to wrap it up, uh, you can keep an eye out for more of Kat's upcoming work on home before dark, which yes. partners told me he was really excited about that one. Uh, 13 reasons why, which I'm a huge fan of. Oh, nice. And- Sorry for your loss, which I am looking forward to checking out. Um, you can also find Kat on social media. Her IG and Twitter handle is her name, Kat Candler. That's K-A-T-C-A-N-D-L-E-R. And just thank you again so much, Kat. Um, thank you. Such a treat to hear your voice. I feel like we're hanging out in the same room over coffee. It's wonderful. Too. I love it. Yeah, you're the best. Mad love for you. Thank you so Mad much. Love back. Yeah, you bet. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, bye.